0: All right, and finally, our third announcement, uh, big uh, announcement, in piece is uh, is our speaker today. Brad, would you come on up here? Uh, Brad's my father-in-law. Uh, I am blessed to get to introduce him. Uh, Brad and Estelle and uh, Sarah and, and their other children um, have have lived all over the world. Uh, spent fifteen years working in Italy, um, planting churches. Uh, after that, they moved to Guinea, West Africa, where for twenty some years. Uh, 26, 26 years, uh, they. 20 some. 20-some years, they translated <laughs> the Bible um, into both an unwritten language and, and a language, obviously, that had no scripture in their language. There in Guinea, West Africa. Um, now they have made a transition again where in Italy um, they are the sending agents and, and oversight for translation projects throughout all of Africa and the Middle East. And um, so really exciting stuff in store. Uh, God has used them powerfully over the years and is continuing to. Brad, we are so blessed to have you here today. Thank Thank you you for uh, sharing with us this morning. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Well, clearly it's my, 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 my pleasure to be here with you guys. Um, that's my, that's my little girl over there. And, uh, just, um, it makes me so happy to, to, to be here after, after kind of following from afar. You know, everything that, uh, that they've kind of gone through and have been doing to, to kind of make this all a reality. And um, it's just, it's beautiful. It's exciting. I mean, if we don't get out of our boxes sometimes, you know, we're not going to be able to 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 really follow because we serve a, a, a good father, but kind of a crazy one, you know? <laughs> and sometimes he wants to do bizarre things. That don't kind of fit into our human imagination because we say, Oh, well, I'm this and I'm that. So therefore, surely I won't go over there. I won't go do this. Instead, God changes things like that. God changes things like that. But we've got to be willing to get out of the box. We've got to be willing to hear his call. I don't know the Yoder family at all, but how cool to be, to be, to be honored for that particular, that particular thing. And guys, it may be tough sometimes, okay, because it's kind of really does seem crazy, you know? But yeah, you're not the first ones to think that sometimes these calls of God seem a little crazy, you know? And it just gives me honor as a father to think about my kids and think about, um, our life together and our life of, of serving God together. And, um, you know, this whole father thing is a, is a tough metaphor, you know? Uh, for some people, you know, you've had bad experiences. Uh, I, 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 I can't tell you fond memories of my father. And I'm sure that there's many other people in here that kind of have the same story. And, and, and sometimes when we talk about God the Father, you know, uh, it, it, it's a metaphor. And, and and sometimes it doesn't quite fit. sort of like we're adopted into the family, you know. Some people have a, kind of a, bad relationship with adoption, you know? So so you have to get into it. You've got to understand this whole idea that Sarah mentioned of, of God being the real father, the ideal father, the father, the way fathers are supposed to be. And uh, it's just beautiful to serve that kind of father. It's beautiful to be in that kind of relationship. And uh, it's cool for me to get to get to see you guys I wish I I knew everybody's story you know it would it would enable me to kind of maybe weave the story that I want to tell into your story but I don't really know your story but uh, I'm very very excited to be with you would you pray with me please as we God I thank you so much for this opportunity we thank you Lord for this opportunity to sit at your feet and to listen to what you, not some preacher, but what you will tell us. God, we want to hear your voice today. We want to engage the scriptures today in such a way that we see what you're telling us, that we see what it means to us, and that, and that somehow, God, through these words, you can work in our life, you can change us. Lord, we know you are a good God we know you love us. We know you want to protect us. We know you want to help us. We know you want to guide us. Lord, we look up to you as our Father, and uh, we just bow down before you. We bow down before you because you are God, and we hug you because you are our Father. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. One time, in July, no doubt, under the heat, a man named Jesus was taking a trip. And he didn't have a car, and he didn't have a plane, so he was walking, and it was a long, long way. And he was hot and tired, and, you know, they were kind of skirting the outside of this little village called Sakar, And Jesus found a nice little roadside park there where there was a well. And so he said, Disciples, you guys go get us some sandwiches. I'm going to stay here. And while he was there, recovering from his heat and uh, tiredness, up comes a woman. In the middle of the day, no less. Not the right time to draw water from the well. But she had come out of the town to draw water when nobody else would be there. And lo and behold, she sees this man there. So very discreetly, she's walking over here and she's starting to get her water, draw water out of the well, probably had some jar, probably had some mechanism. Oh, sorry about that. (laughs) Jacob did that so discreetly. I really appreciate it. And... And she was doing her thing without saying a word to Jesus. Okay? Number one, he was a man. Who knows? Kind of freaky. Number two, he was obviously a Jew. Somebody that she didn't associate with because she was a Samaritan. But Jesus said, excuse me, ma'am when you're getting some water there, could you draw some water for me as well? Because I'm very, very thirsty. Now the woman kind of had to take a position. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, What what do you mean, excuse me, ma'am? What what are you doing talking to me? I'm a Samaritan, you know, and a woman. Jesus doesn't doesn't get rattled. Jesus says, well, yes, I am a Jew. Actually, if you knew who I really was, you would ask me for a gift, and I would give you living water. Living water. What on earth does living water mean? And you don't even have a bucket. You know, what do you, who do you think you are? You're going to give me living water, and you don't have a bucket. Do you think you're, you think, you think you're some big hotshot? You think you're better than, than our patriarch, Jacob, who dug this very well, who actually drank water from this well? Are you bigger than him, you Jew? I'm a Bible translator, so I know how it went down, okay? So that's sort of, it's all in the Greek, believe me, all right? <laughs> and so, so there you go. There you go. She, she, she just can't, she just can't fathom. And Jesus just comes back, calm as a cucumber. And he says, whoa, I, I, I am going, I have living water. I have living water. I have, I have a kind of water that, that could take away your thirst. I have a kind of water that once you drink that water, that water goes down inside of you and creates a spring, a spring that's just overflowing all the time and is always providing for you and taking care of your thirst. I can give you that kind of living water that will be that kind of spring in you and take care
2: of all of your needs. The woman
1: rolled her eyes. And said, sure, right, got it. Really came across a weirdo today. And says, sure, go ahead. You know, give me this water. I hate coming to the well and drawing water anyway. Jesus knew that the woman had not understood, really didn't even want to understand his metaphor.
2: And so he gets personal. And he says, Well, <clears throat> you go call your husband, and then I'll give you some water. Uh, I'm not married. Now, Jesus rolls his eyes. Sure,
1: you're not married. You're just regularly, habitually sleeping around. You're on number six right now.
2: And all of a sudden, this woman freezes in her tracks. What has just happened? This stranger
1: this Jew has come along, and, and he knows about me. He, he knows the truth. He knows what, what's really happening in my life.
2: And Jesus,
1: with his sort of statement like that, is kind of probing her and saying, okay, you don't want to talk nice? I'm, I'm going to dig a little bit deeper. I want to, I want to go into your life. What this encounter is going to affect your life, your real life, not the life that you're showing somebody, some passerby. It's going to affect your real life. And so the woman doesn't know what to do, but she kind of, she's sharpened her feet, right? So she kind of, I'll ask him a religious question. So, obviously here you're a prophet. Uh, prophets go to church. So, yeah. Um, there's kind of a controversy going around nowadays between the Jews and Samaritans. And we say we need to be worshiping up on this mountain. And you guys say we need to be worshiping on yours. What do you think? What is your stance? What is your theological position? What's your little doctrine on this? Let's talk at this level and leave my husband's
2: stuff alone.
1: And Jesus doesn't miss a beat. You know, he is Jesus, right? (laughs) And he says, he says,
2: well, that's really the wrong question.
1: He says, that's really the wrong question. Because a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers, the, 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 the real worshipers, the authentic worshipers, the people who really want to know God, who really want to tap in to that supernatural. Those true worshipers, they will worship the Father, the Father, in spirit and truth, in spirit and truth, spirit, inner man stuff in spirit, and truly, really, authentically. The true worshipers, the people that are really serious about this God stuff, they're going to go deep enough to really have it touch their inner being, their inner being, and and they're going to do it for real. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship him in spirit, and in truth. So Jesus comes back and he says, woman, I don't want to talk religion with you. It doesn't matter if you're on that mountain or that mountain. What matters is what's going on in your heart. Is your connection with God real? Is this really influencing your life? Is this really touching you? Is this really changing you? That's what That's what he, what he, he proposes. And the woman, the woman doesn't engage. She does not engage in conversation. She says something that clearly says, I want out of this. She says, well, when the Messiah comes, he'll tell us. She, she is giving him a total brush off. And then Jesus looks her in the eye and says, that would be me, ma'am
2: the Messiah.
1: Boom. We don't hear any more about her. She's gone. Beautiful the way biblical narrative literature does all of that, you know. She's gone. Disciples come on the scene. Disciples and Jesus are talking. Well, what was that going on? Woman's gone. The woman is gone.
2: The Savior of the world is offering her
1: hope. A woman that has clearly lived a difficult life. I'm not saying a bad life necessarily. I don't know. Maybe she was an abused woman. Maybe she was on husband number six because somehow, some way, she had just got one woman after another and it was just awful and nasty and terrible. And maybe she was anymore. I don't know. I just know that her life was in shambles. She was ashamed. That's why she was going to get water at noon. She wasn't there with all the other women socializing. She was ashamed. She was hurt. She was in a difficult situation. And she had the Savior of the world offer her life, offer her living water. And she brushed him off because he was a Jew. She brushed him off because... Because he was he, he he was of a different religion, he was he was something weird. She brushed him off because she didn't want to let anybody in. Certainly not
2: a prophet who would be messing with her heart. She probably was just in too much pain,
1: and so off she goes, refusing to engage. Refusing to, to go deeper, seeking for that
2: authenticity.
1: It sort of reminds me of Jeremiah 31, 33 through 34, where the prophet says, quoting God, the time is coming when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Verse 33 says, this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, I will put my law in their minds. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God. And they will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord because they will all know me. They will all know me, for I will forgive their wickedness. I will remember their sins no more.
2: What Jesus was offering to do was to,
1: was to write on her heart his will. He was willing to take away her sins. He was willing to change her life. And give her something that would be good,
2: that would be stable, that would be beautiful.
1: But she didn't engage in, she didn't know how to do that. She hid behind her lack of authenticity. But that's not the end of the story. We jump to verse 39. And here we learn something. Maybe it was in that time between Sikar and the actual town. Maybe it was as she was going back. Maybe she just started crying and say, how did he actually know that? He had to be a prophet. He was the Messiah. And she remembered maybe Jeremiah 31. Yes, he, he's actually gonna, he actually is able to do what he said he would. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe she just said, oh, man, that was freaky. I don't know what it was. And she gets into town. But I kind of think it was the former. Because when she got into town, she didn't keep this a secret. She started telling people. She started telling people, even though she didn't typically socialize with everybody. She's out there saying, hey, I met this guy at the well. You're not going to believe what he said. He knew all about me, and I've never met the man. How did he know all about me? Is he the Messiah? He said he was. Could it be possible? I mean, she gave a good enough testimony that, that some of the people there in the town were convinced. They were so convinced that they went out to Jesus and they said, Come on, please come and stay at our town for a couple of days. We'll put you up. We, we really would like to hear more of what you have to say. And then the text says, uh, verse 41, And because of his words, many more became believers. Because of his words. You see, they had heard her words. They had heard the testimony, and that was cool. But now they had heard his words. And when he started talking to them about what he would give them, what he would do for them, then they got excited. They started getting excited, and they believed him. But what I really want you to pick up on is verse 43. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. We no longer believe because you said it. Now we have experienced it. Now we have heard him with our own ears. We've seen him. We've talked to him. We've engaged in this. And now we believe because of what we have heard. And he is the Savior. He can fix the mess of our lives. Savior. Translate that in real language. He can can help us. He can fix it. We've got a mess on our hands. You know, in all, in all ways, we've got a mess on our hands. Maybe in your marriage, maybe with your kids, maybe with, with your job, maybe, maybe with the government. I don't, you know, you've, we've got a mess. Oh, yeah, we all know that. The Savior is Jesus. The, don't think Savior religious. Savior. Savior. God can, God can change our lives. God can fix our messes. God can save our marriages. God can help us with our children. God can, God can literally turn the entire society around. If the leaven was, was strong enough, God could turn the entire society around. Jesus is that Savior. And to have that Savior and to receive that living water and to to have that that spring of living water in us, we have to engage His words. We have to go deep. Superficial doesn't cut it. We have to go deep with our relationship with God. Whether, whether, Whether you're not a Christian or whether you've been a Christian for 30 years, that is valid for you, okay? I mean, you've been a, you've been a Christian for 30 years. Man, that, that's, that's prime time for Satan, you know? I mean, yeah, this is boring. This is the same old, same old, I'm in a rut. And Satan says, good, you just stay right there in that rut. You just keep on going to church. I like it when you just keep on going to church, you know, no big deal. But God is saying, let's get out of the rut, Let me do do something amazing in you. Let me me do something supernatural in you so that you can shine out to others, so that that you can make a
2: difference in this world.
1: So, So that is the promise. And we've got to engage his words. We've got to grapple with his words. We've got to be open to that. We've got to be, be open. Sometimes people aren't even open to, to, to really go deeper. They, they just really aren't open. So, yeah, yeah, right, you're right. We should have more faith, blah, 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 blah. They are closed to the idea, closed to the concept. Hit them over the head with a miracle and it wouldn't change it, you know? Because they've got the door closed. But we we've got to be open to it. And then we've got to really listen. Okay, that's the engaging part where we're really, we're really listening. This isn't just read some pamphlet, but this is engaging God's words. And that, that happens to be written down in a book called the Bible. Okay. And, and, and really engage God's words and listen intently, deeply. Read the scriptures to try to figure out what on earth does this mean to me? Read the scriptures to really understand what He is saying to me, what kind of promise is he giving me? What kind of command is he giving me? What kind of information is he giving me? I mean, to really connect with the creator of the universe through his word and listen
2: to it, and then to do it. I mean, if you're not going to do it, then you're not going to experience it. You, you don't, you don't get the experience just
1: by exploring and listening to it. You don't, you don't really know what faith is until you put your faith in Him. Okay? I mean, you can talk about faith, but you can, you can talk about o- obeying the Lordship of Christ, but, but you don't really get it until you Do it. It's sort of it's like that first step. It's sort of like I would have loved to learn how to swim in the classroom. That's my kind of swimming, you know? That suits me just right. You know, it was the whole thing of getting in the pool, being pushed on down to the end. Oh my word, I'm going to die. You know what I mean? I didn't want to do that. Keep me away from that kind of learning. But that's where you really learn to swim. When you experience that relationship with God, when you really lay it all out in front of him, when you get down on your knees before him and and cry, when you really open up and in pure honesty say, God, show me what I need to do to fix fix my, my, my mess. That's when... We start really, really learning. And then when he says, well, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to go and you've got to, you've got to forgive your wife or your husband. Whoa, wait a minute. That wasn't in the bargain, was it? I can't really do it. And God says, well, you're just kind of keeping me from doing my miracles. You've got to do it. Go out there. And then I will show you amazing things. So we have to grapple with God's Word. We've got to engage God's Word. The words of God are powerful. John chapter 20, verse 31 says, There's a lot of words, but these words have been provided in the gospel so that you can have life, the living water, remember? So that you can have life, all right? You don't have to think about heaven, pie in the sky. I mean, that's part of it, but that's not all of it. It's life, it's real life here, the abundant life. A life that truly is happy. A life that truly is full of joy, that truly is at peace. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says the scriptures, that is what is written down, that is God's words that are written down, they are God-breathed. God, God is the author. This word, weirdly enough, is actually from God. And it says that it is useful. It's useful to fix us. It will correct you. It will rebuke you. It will train you. It will do all kinds of things. In the end, it will equip you to really have life, a righteous life, a good life, an abundant life. That's all in the Word. And finally, in Second in Peter, He says, ah, the words of these prophets, of these inspired people that have been talking. Pay attention to it. It's like a light in the darkness. It says, pay attention to it until that light becomes the morning star in your heart. Pay attention to this. Grapple with it. Understand it until the morning star. Guess who that is? Jesus. All right? Until Jesus Rises in our hearts until, until Jesus is where in our heart, not, not the church building, but in in our heart. He's in relationship with us. Grapple with those words of the prophets until the morning star. This is not just a book. This is God's word. And we must hear it. It is the voice of God. We need to hear the voice of God in our life. And you may say, whoa, don't get weird on me. The voice of God, what do you mean by voice of God? You don't mean the real voice of God. I wish we could get over that. I mean, that's not the point. But to to dialogue with God, to, to have the kind of relationship where I'm hearing what he's saying to me and I'm interacting with that. And he's helping me with my life. The dialogue, the dialogue, the relationship with God. And all I want to say is, it's the most amazing thing that you can have is that deep relationship with God. So I encourage you, wherever you're at, in your walk,
2: do everything you can to go deeper with God's word, God's word, the Bible, but God's word, what God is telling you, and engage that. May the Lord bless you in all of that.
0: Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate that message and invitation to know God more, to be in deeper relationship with him. Thank you uh, again for, for that this morning. Guys, we're going to pray together, and uh, and we'll dismiss at that. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your word found in Scripture. Father, we thank you for the, other, for the ways that you speak to us in life, uh, um, and the smile of a stranger in a conversation over coffee. Father, we thank you um, that you are active, alive, and inviting us to know you more. So, Father, I pray that you will uh, speak to us in the week to come. Father, uh, bless us as we go from here. Allow us to know your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, just want to remind everyone we have a, a few service projects coming up. We have uh, two here this month. We have uh, Soul Soup and, um, Second Harvest, uh, coming up July 9th, we're uh, working with Jubilee Youth Academy, really cool organization, uh, hope you'll be involved in that, we're going to start sign-ups on that, and, and that's one that we are championing, so uh, we, we do need to go, need, know who can be there, and we're going to champion uh, a remodel of, of uh, part of their dorms, really excited about that project uh, as a church, if uh, if you want to sign up, or know more information, Christine uh, here, uh, she's the contact and, uh, and the organizer of it. Excited about that project. Hey, have a blessed week. Uh, thanks for being here with us this morning.